The following podcast contains explicit language. Welcome to Mom and Dad are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, July 4th, 2019, the What's Up With Your Boyfriend edition. I'm Rebecca Lavoy. I am mom to Henry, who is 17, Teddy, who is 16 and a half, and my stepdaughter, Lily, who is 19. I'm Ruth Graham. I'm a staff writer at Slate, and I'm mom to Mary, who is three years old. I'm Jakata Imani. I'm a spiritually rooted coach and trainer doing nonprofit management. I work and live here in Oakland, California. I have a whole host, a little tribe of kids. <laughs> um, I have a blended family, so I have six kids total. Uh, Jael, 23, is the oldest. Eli is uh, a bonus son, he's 21. And then Taya is 18. And Yame is turning 17 this very month. And then Phoenix is 16. My uh, partner's youngest son. And then Keone. Uh, my nine-year-old girl bringing up the rear. So I have a whole basketball team plus one to come off the bench. <laughs> wow. Well, we're going to hear more about that later in the show. Uh, but today we've got a question from a listener struggling to deal with her mother-in-law's super jerky boyfriend. We've also got a question about what to do when what was supposed to be a fun sleepover turned into a potentially dangerous situation. But first, we're going to kick off the show, as usual, with triumphs and fails. Ruth, do you have a triumph or a fail for us? I have a triumph this week. Um, My family, my husband and my daughter and I just got back from a long, luxurious nine-day vacation. Um, And we... A vacation with friends at like a summer rental house. It actually was not luxurious, but it was fantastic. (laughs) Um, But it was a long drive. It was it's about a five and a half hour drive there without like kid potty breaks and kid nonsense and kid running around breaks and all that. So it's a it's a long drive when you factor in um, kid stops. And my daughter has actually always been a good traveler, and we hook her up with, you know, books. We don't do screen time in the car, but we do books and coloring and family games and I spy and all of that. And she's always been a really good traveler. This was the first long trip we've taken since we turned her car seat facing forward. And I don't know if it was that or if it was now that she has a little more sense that vacation, you know, something awesome is at the end of the drive. But anyway, she was whining the entire drive, doing the like, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Which I sort of thought was just like a TV trope, but she actually was doing the entire time. It was so obnoxious. Um, But about halfway through the trip, uh, the drive out there, we had the idea to um, designate three minutes out of every hour as whining time. And so we said, you know, look at the clock. That's also good practice for her because we haven't done a lot of, you know, reading, reading clocks yet. So we said, you know, look at the digital clock in the car. And every time it turns to the hour when, when the number ends in zero, zero, we're going to do three minutes of family whining. Um, and so we all would then sort of moan and say, like, are we there yet? It's not fair. I forgot this toy. I hate this. And um, sort of do goofy over the top whining together. And then when the three minutes were up, that was it. No more whining. And of course, then it turned into like, is it whining time yet? But still, it cut down in a little bit. Um, and it also kind of it didn't just contain the whining to the three minutes, but it ended up kind of neutralizing it because it turned it into just a, a like a silly family game rather than the truly agonized, <laughs> irritating <laughs> whining of the that only a three year old is capable of. So it was a triumph. You put guardrails around the whining. Exactly. You gave it context. You gave it a place. Exactly. And you said you will not let it leave this place. <laughs> yes. Draw the borders <laughs> and then let it run free in there. What about you, Jakata? Do you have a triumph or a fail for us this week? I have a fail. Um, I've been working hard to get the the eighteen year old to get a summer job. She's back from school. 
and it's just not happening. Um, <laughs> we, you know, I, I think it's it's it's. Uh, <laughs> she's been applying online. Is the thing is that every place you apply online, and and then I'm like, great. So you applied online, you put an application. Now go over there and ask them, can you get an interview or when are you interview? And she's like, no, there's no point in that. No, there's no point in that. So it's just been this, this constant back and forth of me trying to get her up out of bed every morning to g- arrive at the places that she's applied. To put a you know to put in that FaceTime and try to get a job and I, I I'm just not it's just not working. <laughs> so every morning I'm like okay let's where's the <laughs> list of all the places you've applied and she because she's done it online she doesn't have them all to, in one place and so it's just yes this the internet is I don't know I don't want to blame everything on the internet but I'm, I'm gonna blame this one. I <laughs> uh, just so you know, my son Teddy, who is sixteen and a half, has applied at a bunch of places, like in the town where we live. And I there's something that's a disconnect. Like he thinks that like they owe him a job or a phone call or something because he's like, I never heard back. And I'm like, Yeah, that's sometimes what happens when you apply for a job. Like sometimes you have to follow up. Sometimes you'll never hear anything. And you know, but it's like he's not willing to do like your son, like the interstitial work to like stand out from the other people who've dropped off a paper application. Yeah. You know, it is something. Yeah, I'm trying to teach. It's, it's like there's some got to be some grit. You got to like want. You got to show up and distinguish yourselves. Like you want it. You have this drive, and you're going to be on time, and you're going to be employable. And she's just like, mm. but I, I sent it. On, I filled it out online. <laughs> <laughs> I've done my duty. Uh, I have a, a triumph that's more personal than parenting, which is that this is really hard for me. And like a lot of the adults listening to this podcast are going to be like, congratulations, Rebecca. <laughs> but I just got like a tremendous amount of adult shit done this week mm-hmm. that I like am not good at. I got my um, I went and applied for TSA pre, which required oh. like digging up all sorts of paperwork and having to go to the downtown clerk and get like a certified copy of my old first marriage marriage certificate because I changed my name in 1999 which by the way seems super sexist for me that only women have to do this particular bit of paperwork I had to like go get um you know, uh, dig out my like paper copy of my social security number. So I did that, the TSA pre thing. I applied for a real ID, which is like mm-hmm. the weird New Hampshire and other states license thing. Ugh, I haven't done that yet. <laughs> <laughs> I renewed my automobile insurance. Like I got a quote. I had them shop it out instead of doing the thing I normally do, which I'm just like, oh, panic, just do the same thing I did last time. And I just feel like on weeks where you get a lot of adult shit done, it makes you feel like, oh, this is what it's supposed mm-hmm. to be like all the time. Uh, and it feels very triumphant for me, probably more so than it should. <laughs> it's a great feeling. Yeah, Adult stuff. Check. <laughs> You're modeling a to-do list. Checking it off. I love it. Yeah, exactly. You're showing the grit, <laughs> stick-to-itiveness. Hopefully your son will learn It's something. true. It's so true. It's a kind of parenting. Parenting by example. <laughs> parenting myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, now it's time for the business. Slate's parenting newsletter is the best place to be notified about all of our parenting content, including mom and dad are fighting, care and feeding, ask a teacher, and much more, including some great writing by our own Dan Coyce. You can get that newsletter in your inbox. Just sign up at slate.com slash parenting email. And as always, if you have a question you want us to answer on the podcast, leave us a message at 424-255-7833 or do the seemingly preferred method of emailing us at slate.com. Also, check out our Facebook group. Just search for Slate Parenting on Facebook. It's a fun community. We moderate it so it doesn't get out of control. 
In Slate Plus today, I want to talk a little bit about Jakarta Imani. Uh, One quick Google search and you'll see that our guest host today is described as a thought leader and an activist and a spiritual coach. And I want to know about how uh, being a real world superhuman translates with kids. So I hope it's okay with you, Jakarta, that I plan to ask you about that in Slate Plus. I'm here for it. (laughs) Great. Because you're here. You have no choice. (laughs) To hear segments like that and to get ad-free podcasts, sign up for Slate Plus. Slate Plus is our membership program. It's a great way to support this podcast for just $35 for your first year. You can help cover the cost of producing Mom and Dad Are Fighting and your other favorite Slate shows. And of course, in return, you'll get extended ad-free versions of this show and other Slate shows and a ton of other benefits. So if you want to support Mom and Dad Are Fighting, go to slate.com slash momanddadplus and join Slate Plus today. All right, let's get back to the show. It's time for our first listener question. This question was sent in by email and is being read by Slate's Shasha Leonar. If you want to email us a question, send it to momanddad at slate.com. Dear Mom and Dad, We are having trouble with my mother-in-law's long-term and now live-in boyfriend. Around the time I got pregnant, my mother-in-law, Susan, started dating a guy I'll call Paul. We finally met Paul at Thanksgiving a few months after our daughter was born, and he made some upsetting sexist comments and interrogated the table about their religious beliefs before saying grace. My husband talked to his mom about Paul's behavior and expressed his concerns, which she brushed off. Similar comments have continued, and at my daughter's naming, Paul behaved so childishly and rudely towards my parents that since then, we have separate events to keep him away from my family. Our daughter is now two, and over the years, we have tried repeatedly to give Paul a chance to behave better. Our peace offering to Susan was that we would spend more time with her and Paul so he wouldn't be a stranger. But he remains sexist, condescending, and childish. We don't know what the hell Susan sees in him, and his company has become unbearable. Susan turned a spare bedroom in her house into a nursery in the hope of making her home more inviting for the kids. And even though I feel like she's responsible for picking a partner like Paul, and to my eyes effectively enabling sexism, she clearly loves and is loving to our daughter, who asks to see her often. And I feel like it can't be a secret that we can't stand this guy, but no one is saying it out loud. I am trying to let my husband handle his family his way, but it seems kind of cruel to me to keep telling Susan that we're too busy to get together when I feel she's an adult who should be able to hear the truth that her choice of partner is driving us away. Susan is my husband's only living parent, and we want her in her daughter's life, but not at the cost of enabling sexism. We are already on guard every time we have to see Paul, and being miserable and tense every time we visit doesn't seem like a good permanent solution. What do we do? Thanks. Exasperated stepdaughter-in-law. Ruth, you want to get this one first? Sure. Um, When I'm listening to this question, part of me wishes I knew more specifics about what the behavior is. Um, You mentioned sexism. Um, but then, which, which is obviously a serious problem, but then there's also childishness. And it, it sounds, no matter what, that Paul is awful and exhausting and boorish and very understandably someone you don't want to be around. Um, the thing I would want to know more about is, like, is he actively dangerous in some way? You know, is he doing harm or is he just exhausting and awful? Um, I think no matter what. Your husband should probably have one kind of serious 
sit down with your mom and kind of offer calmly and as specifically as possible, you know, here are our issues with Paul. This is why we've been shying away from spending time together. Um, you know, if it was something that some of his behavior led to not being able to spend time with your family, that seems like a very concrete harm that you can bring up. Um you know, if there are specific kind of sexist comments, I mean, that's obviously a huge deal, too. So I think as sort of as calmly and specifically as, and you get to sort of have one conversation about this. So then everyone's on the same page. Everyone knows how you feel about Paul and why this is sort of keeping you apart. Um, I think beyond that, it really is a matter of your own judgment. And, you know, if you can stand to be around him for the sake of maintaining this relationship with Susan or find ways to spend time with just her. Um, you know, this is probably, frankly, something that in reality, I would sort of let, I would have the one conversation and then kind of limp ahead and make the best of what sounds like an unfortunate situation. I also think as your daughter gets older, you can start to both call him out in the moment if he's saying something really egregious. And I also think it's something where you might want to be having ongoing conversations with your daughter, you know, after you leave the house, you know, Paul said this, you know, I don't know if I really agree with that, or I don't really agree with that. Like, what do you think about that? You know, it's something where you might need to start opening up conversations with your child about his behavior. Again, that's if it falls on the side of not being actively dangerous, but just being boorish. What do you think, Jakarta? Yeah, I, I, I favor transparency. So I think, um, you know, this is a, a challenge in my own family with some of my siblings in, in terms of things they would say. And I had to set a boundary. You can't say those types of things, period. If you say those things around me, then I will not be around you or you won't be invited around. Mm-hmm. Um, because people live in a, we live in a really sexist, uh, a misogynist society where people are sometimes rewarded for saying those type of things. And so to stumble upon me and my family and my community where that's not allowed at all, people sometimes are caught up short. And so I think it's really important that they give certainly uh, Susan the feedback about her her partner, but then possibly Paul um, directly and as close to the moment as possible because he might not know that he's being offensive or he may think that it's, Mm -hmm. he may think it's funny or clever. He's just kidding. and and still, he has to be taught that none of that is acceptable. And if he's not willing to learn it, then he doesn't get to be around uh, them. And that's uh, that's sad, but it's it's it, that's already the impact. And they may just not be connecting the dots. I agree completely with uh, the boundaries thing. Like you are not obligated to make sure that your kids continue to have a relationship with their grandmother if this is the circumstance in which it's happening. I mean. Um, I would I mean, I, I do think that there is value in, in if you are in, in Paul's presence and he does something like awful, just calling him out mm-hmm. on it and talking to him about it and saying, you know, uh, I'm going to like assume good intentions here and that you don't mean to say something that's hurtful uh, to women or that reads sexist. I don't think you meant to be rude to my parents, but that's how it was mm-hmm. received. And I'm not saying it's going to work. But at least you'll be able to say you did that before you then say to Susan, listen, Paul's a dick and we don't want to be around and we don't want our kids around him. And I don't understand, you know, how you cannot see it, but clearly you can't. And if this relationship is really important to you, then we're going to have to build barriers around like our interaction with the kids with you. Because also, like, the, like I said, the missing piece here is that this writer inner, like, you shouldn't be forced to hang out with Paul either. Right. <laughs> you know, it's easy to sort of make it about the kids, but like life is too short to be with people who suck. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. 
Although it sounds like that might come at the cost of the relationship. I mean, part of the reason I think my answer was a little softer is I find it a little easier to say, like, I don't have time for this person in theory. But then when it's at the cost of not seeing your mother-in-law and, you know, the only living parent, I that stuff gets really thorny. Yeah. Um, and I, I do agree with transparency. You know, say it say it in the moment to Paul. Say it at least once, you know, in a serious private way to Susan. But I also can just see this being a situation that just kind of limps on, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. I mean, isn't the part of the problem, too, that like what you're modeling for kids when you're, se- you're around somebody who's just a jerk and they say things that are sexist or racist or whatever. And if you don't respond in the moment, then you're modeling like, yeah. like to not say anything. Yeah. And if you think about the kind of like social justice warriors we want to be raising, um, you, I, I think that it's important, even when kids are young, to have them see you standing up for what's totally. right, you know, mm-hmm. and, and kindness and all of those values. And I, there might be an opportunity there for that. But uh, Paul sounds like the worst. He sounds awful. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they break up. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think they've been waiting for that for a while. And the kid's three now, right? So I, mean, I, I think being clear be, with, with Paul is going to be hugely important and being clear with Susan as well about you know, the, 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 uh, because, again, I've had this exact experience where people think, oh, I didn't mean it that way. And it's like, yeah, well, I took it that way. Um, and so and he may just not have ever mm. been around anybody who's held a boundary with him around what he can and can't say. And then he may be able to, to move towards mm-hmm. it or he might not. In which case, he's like, I don't want to hang out with you guys either. <laughs> I like to be around people where just let me say the horrible <laughs> things that's in my head and nobody ever calls me on it. And you all just are no fun. That's really good advice. I like that. All right. Well, if you would like to ask us a question by email about Paul and Susan or people in your family like them, send us an email at momanddadatslate.com. And we have another question that came in that way that we are going to hear right now. One Friday, my 11-year-old son texted me to ask if he could have more time on his phone because he was going to be staying the night at a friend's house. I will call him Tom. My son was staying with his dad that weekend, so I didn't have anything to do with setting up the sleepover, and I didn't know Tom or his parents at all. Around nine that night, I was driving home from a play, and my son called me and asked me to pick him up. I was confused since he was supposed to be at a sleepover, but I just asked him where he was. I pulled up to a completely dark stadium and a completely dark parking lot, and my 11-year-old son standing there alone. He got in, and I asked him what happened. He said he and Tom were playing basketball at the rec center about a block away and it closed at nine. So they walked to the stadium to wait for Tom's dad. When Tom's dad pulled up, he said my son could not sleep over. Tom asked his dad, can we give him a ride home? He lives across the street. And the dad said no. Tom got in and they drove off, leaving my son standing there in the dark. What should I have done? All I have done is not let my son go over to Tom's house, and I have been more diligent on checking on plans that my son makes with his friends on his own. But the whole thing really bothers me. I don't think treating children like that is acceptable. And I think Tom's dad was beyond negligent in his actions, and it really was just complete luck that I was very close when my son called me. What do you think? What do you think, Jakarta? You want to take this one first? Yeah, so there's a couple things that jump out at me. One, where is your son's dad? (laughs) <laughs> like he was staying at his house. Uh, he didn't call his dad. His dad didn't vet any of these plans. Um, I'm mad at both Tom and your son's dad. So y- this thing of the the split households, it's, it's a real challenge. And as kids get more independent, 
we want to uh, trust and verify. So I think there's there's two conversations I'd want to have. One is certainly with your son's dad about what what the hell happened here. <laughs> this can't happen. <laughs> you, and and walk him through like wh- where are all the fails he had in in this setup. Um, and and then finding out why your son felt more comfortable calling you than calling his dad when he was staying with his dad, and even calling you to ask why why he could he do this thing instead of asking his dad who theoretically who, who he was <laughs> who was his parent in charge for that weekend and then yeah i think calling tom's uh, tom and 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 having a conversation about that that's just not acceptable that's not how we take care of the children in our community and um you expect more from him and there might be more to the story is, <laughs> is the other thing that i have learned in these things of of little kids especially in the he said he said is that there might be some more that you excavate. So, you know, you might not come in super hot with Tom's, <laughs> but, but like asking some questions and then setting some expectations that maybe that your son doesn't spend the night in his house. But, um, yeah, I would start with, where the hell was your son's dad? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fair. I mean, that there's... I can tell you also from having the split house thing, 11, um, I think... I, I completely give your son the benefit of the doubt, and I'm not saying that I don't. But I think that the one thing that you might want to prepare for uh, that Jakarta may have been hinting at is that when there is the split house thing and your kid is able to communicate with both parents through iPhones and technology, like when they're at one house or the other, it is easy, really easy for them to game that system a little <laughs> bit and to, like, you know, say, I'm going to be at this place to one parent. Meanwhile, you've asked the other parent because you, and you say, like, oh, yeah, dad said it was okay. It's a lot of that stuff that can happen. And I'm not saying that's what happened here, but it's something you should be prepared for because there's a good chance it will happen at some point. Um, but yeah, I think that reaching out to this other kid's dad, it, I, it was unclear from your email whether the dad was Tom or the kid was Tom, but we'll just say Tom, um, is appropriate. And just even to ask what happened. I mean, you can start with a curious, open question rather than accusatory question. You can say... Can you just walk me through what happened the night that I had to pick up my son at the school parking lot? Because, you know, he's 11 and he interpreted it as he was had plans and then he didn't. And I'm there's probably more to the story, but I really just want to, like, talk through it with him and how we can avoid this kind of mix up in the future. Would you mind just walking me through what happened and then let him hang himself or let him mm-hmm. <laughs> tell you what happened and take it from there? I think it's fair game to say that you don't want your kids sleeping over at this house and I think it's a very fair game to want to know other families uh, that you're that are going to be taking care of your kids I mean I when my kids were little I always asked other parents if they had guns in the house I always asked them you know if there was anything that I needed to be aware of in terms of like allergies or whatever when their kids came to stay at my house that stuff is pretty par for the course and you shouldn't be afraid to use that stuff to make decisions um but yeah, I'm down with, with calling Tom or Tom's dad, the other guy. I, I think so, too. I actually couldn't tell from the letter, like, if you had ever met the parents. Um, so I, for sure, you know, if you haven't, would find a way to introduce yourself and then probably go from there. I, I think Chikata is right to not go in hot because you have one version of this story. And again, I trust your son. It doesn't sound like you have any reason not to. But it just sounds – it. the story is so – bizarre and disturbing that it just seems like there has to be more in some direction. And even if that direction is like 
something really dark and dramatic was happening at Tom's house that night, um, which, again, I don't think excuses it. Um, but it just seems like there's there's other stuff going on here, um, even if it's just bad stuff at Tom's house, which would be another great reason to not have your son sleep over there anymore. Um, but, I, you know, just sort of depending on the vibe you get when you do meet the parents or talk to them, you know, I think bringing it up, even in a way like, you know, I might have misunderstood this or, you know, here's what my son said. I feel like I must be misunderstanding something. Can we just talk a little bit about um, I'm just trying to figure out what happened that night? Um, you also may get a really bad vibe. I mean, if you haven't met them before, you may be able to suss out that, um, you know, that there's that it might not be a productive conversation, in which case I think you just keep the rule you've instituted where he doesn't spend time over there and you make your house the place to hang out with Tom. Um, I think Tom was the boy. Um, because, you know, if, if anything, it sounds like that probably means Tom needs a stable, happy place um, in his in his life and you could provide that. But I just feel like there's, there's stuff you haven't heard about this story yet. It, just because it does sound, I mean, you asked if it was out of line and to me it's like wildly out of line mm. to leave an 11-year-old in a dark parking lot like that. It makes my heart hurt to think about your son like outside the dark stadium and, you know, it all turned out fine. But I, I don't think your reaction is, um, you know, outsized at all. So it's just a question of like how to sort of bring it up and how to advance it with the family and sort of puzzle out what actually happened. Jakarta, I have a question for you since your kids are older. Um, have you ever had the experience where they make plans with their friends and they think it's all good and everything's all set. And then it turns out that the other family just has, like, no freaking idea that these plans have been made. <laughs> because kids think that, like, once they decide something, it's actually been decided. Oh, totally. It's, it's, we, we, we had to institute a rule. And, my, my, like, have you spoke to their Let me speak to their parents. So that was the thing I instituted early on. Was like, <laughs> oh, that's great. Let me speak to their parents. So we could find out because kids, yes, kids will come with plans <laughs> and they'll tell everybody something slightly different. And sometimes it's not because they're trying to be dishonest. Sometimes it's because they tell you one thing and then they have a conversation and they tell the next parent another thing because the plan has changed. And then they come back around and tell you a third thing when they're like in midst of plans. Like, oh, have you made it to your friend's house? Oh, no, we stopped over here now. We're doing this. And it's like no one knows anything that's happening. <laughs> so, Yes. <laughs> What do you think about what Ruth said? I, I'm just curious also. I think this is something you you might have more experience with than either of us. I mean, I have older kids too, but I only have two, and you have so many. Um, have you had friends of your kids where you've gotten the sense that, like, you know, you, they could really benefit from, like, not like you want to be their dad or whatever, but that, like, you find yourself in a position where you're like, yes, have that kid over all the time because I know that it's good for them to kind of, like, be in a situation that's stable or normal or where there's, like, good food and all that stuff. Have you ever found totally, yourself in that, totally. that position? Where, where there are kids, I mean, kids on our block, kids at my, you know, uh, my children's school, some of their friends from, you know, their after school activities where it's just, you can tell they need a hug. Um, they, you know, they, they, folks show up at our house and we, we, you know, I, uh, I work from home. Um, even when I didn't, I, uh, cook dinner almost every single night. And it's just a big tradition in my family where we're all around the table and there's there's a bunch of us. So you show up at our house around dinner time and there's something steamy coming out the oven or something on the stovetop and we're all sitting down eating and we come home and eat dinner together every night and there are kids who are just amazed. Like, wait, you all sit down and eat dinner together every night? This yeah. is wild. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
Yeah. So yeah, then there's kids who who just show up at dinner time mm-hmm. just because of that. That there's not just food, but also community <laughs> and family. And we talk about how your day has been and what's yeah. going on and what you've seen and what you read and what you heard. So yeah, there are kids who just show up just for that loving. Yeah, and I, I think it's when you are sort of, you know, it, it, it also. I mean, I, I find the two it sort of encourages like a kind of. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think where we live, too, Ruth, it's like really rural. Yeah. And, you know, I know that you probably know all the parents because your daughter's so young. You probably right. know a lot of the parents because you see them and there, would not, there wouldn't be a birthday party without the parents there. But when your kids get older, like you are going to have kids whose families you've never met just like at your house all the time. Mm-hmm. And if I've found that if you decide, you know, I want this to be a place where kids feel safe mm-hmm. and comfortable and happy and are fed and, like, can be themselves. And if they swear, like, they might get a look, but they're not <laughs> going to get, like, you know, the riot act read to them or whatever. <laughs> I find that it's really helped increase kind of, like, the diversity of my kids' friends because uh, there isn't just this sense of, like, you know, uh, it, if I'm not going to have a sleepover unless you are also invited to that. Mm-hmm. You know, there isn't that, you know, that like quid pro quo thing that I think we tend to lean mm-hmm. more toward when our kids are really little. But you probably do know all the parents now at this point, right? We still know all the parents. Yeah, we're just getting to My daughter just had her first like play date where she had a sort of a friend that she had made, quote unquote, independently at, <laughs> at preschool over to our house without her parents. That was the first time. So it's we're just like heading into that zone. But we still the mom came over and like kind of sussed out our house, I think, first. (laughs) um, So we're just heading into that. I have to say it sounds so, even though this letter is obviously a dark situation, but there's something so wholesome and actually wonderful to me about kids just being in and out of each other's houses and making plans on the fly and running around the neighborhood together and playing basketball down the block. And I I think, I I hope, um, you know, that sounds like a wonderful way to grow up. So actually, it's sort of encouraging in a strange way to hear that kids still play that way. Yeah. I think that they do. Um, Yeah. All right. Well, if you have a question you want to ask us again, you can email us at slate.com. You can also join us on the Facebook group and ask your question there at Slate Parenting. Now is the time in our show where we talk about things that we want to recommend to other people. And we call that part of the show recommendations. It's a very creative name for a segment that was invented a long time before I became a co-host of this show. (laughs) So Ruth, do you have a recommendation for our fine audience this week? I do. My recommendation, um, this may be kind of obvious to you you old hands, but my recommendation is to get a babysitter while you're on vacation. (laughs) Um, I, I think I had always thought of that as something a little bit like cold or like out of the spirit of the vacation. You know, we all have this time off. We should be just spending like every minute of every day together. Um, but like I was saying earlier on the show, we we went on this nine day um, trip and it was we were meeting up with a bunch of other old friends. This is the 12th year in a row that the same group of friends has rented the same house in Pennsylvania. And it's a really special place to our friendship. It's a special time of the year. It's like a bona fide friend tradition. And now we're starting to have kids. Mine is the oldest. She's almost four. And there are, there are four kids under four now and 11 or 12 adults. And, you know, the, it's like the happiest time of the year for all of us. Um, and this year we thought, you know, what if we sort of carve out some of that old fashioned like adult time um, by hiring some sitters? So I won't walk through the whole incredibly <laughs> um laborious process of finding a local teenager in a place where none of you live. Um, but we asked, you know, friend of a friend of a friend of a friend. We, we found 
two local teens and hired two teenagers for three of the nine days. They came for like a big chunk of the middle of the day and just hung out with the kids while the grownups played board games and, you know, sat out on the water without worrying that our kids were going to drown and just kind of had that friendship time. Um, I think also I think of a babysitter as like, preserve the romance, but this was like preserve the like the pre-kid friendship time. And it just was such it was such a good move. You know, we didn't do it every day of the vacation. Um, It just was seeing the kids together is like the great joy of my life. But the friendships also are the great joy of my life. And just sort of carving out time for some adult time in the in the family vacation was hugely recommended. It was probably really fun for the kids, too, right? So fun. To have somebody who was being paid to just pay attention to them. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> just like run around, you know, someone who can't say no to pushing you on the tire swing for the 800th time of the day. And so, yeah, it was it was win, win, win all around. So I think about that a lot when I hear like people who I know a lot of people who have little kids who've like never had a baby babysitter and I'm like oh my god I don't think you understand like the other side of this which is that it's really can be really fun for your kids yes <laughs> these babysitters like they have to say yeah. yes to things that you will say no to like they have to listen to you like yeah. read your book out loud and they like, have to they're being paid and when the teenagers <laughs> or when the babysitters are like I mean they're always pretty young and so they're like cool kids right it's like cool older you know teen girls coming over to play with my little girl and run around out and like draw rainbows with her and yeah it's 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 fun for everyone, for sure. <laughs> Jakarta, maybe this could be a career move for your daughter, totally. your unemployable daughter. She could like get into <laughs> vacation babysitting. Do you have a recommendation for us this week? Yeah, I'm. I'm going to go old school with the with the after dinner family walk. Um, we've been doing it this summer. I mean, it's usually well, it's not always really nice in the bay. People 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 think it is, but after the sun goes down, it gets really cold, so you have to bring your puff coat. But but the after dinner family walk. <laughs> we live in New Hampshire, okay. Jakarta. Like we do not feel bad <laughs> no, for you. You, you. you get to wear shorts <laughs> at night in the summer. It's kind of amazing. I don't know. Um, <laughs> you, we'll, 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 we'll reverse the like in the winter. I'll feel bad for you. In the summer, in the evenings, you'll feel bad for me. It'll be great. <laughs> um, so we've got, gone back to the after dinner family walks where. Um, after dinner, we'll just go for a walk around the neighborhood and just tour around and uh, um, go for a walk together and talk about the day and just uh, get a little bit of exercise, spend a little time together. And, and um, the younger kid loves it. The older kids sort of do it begrudgingly. <laughs> um, but, but it is some of that just the it's, it's some of that bonding time, which has been very, very, very sweet. Um, and, you know, the younger one points out weird things and asks tons of questions about everything right now she's super into cars makes and models um which is kind of bizarre but but nonetheless a uh, great conversation yeah so the after dinner family walk which has been really nice that sounds awesome i love that i know i love that it. speaking of wholesome yeah that is so sweet i really love it <laughs> uh well i'm going to recommend something that my teenagers are really enjoying i may have talked about this when it first came out um there's a series on Netflix. It's a German show called Dark. It's a time travel thing involving teenagers, and it's really, really good. I uh, would re- highly recommend only watching it in subtitles rather than in the dubbed-over version, which is just stupid. I do love finding fun things with subtitles to watch with my teenagers because the thing about a subtitled thing is that nobody can look at their phones while they're watching mm-hmm. this thing with us. Like We're all forced to actually watch it and this the story in dark is really complicated there was a huge period of time between season one and season two coming out so in order for us to watch season two which just came out like last week we had to like 
dig up all these articles and like do like a murder board in our house, basically, of like who's who. Um, but if you've never wow. seen the series, both season one and season two are out. So you can just go right from one to the other. And it's a really, really complicated and fun story with a lot of teen angst, uh, probably good for like middle teens and up. I mean, there's like some violent scenes. There's some really not big deal sex stuff. But I really, really love it. And my kids both really love it. And it's just like the perfect amount of dark that like teens tend to like. And it's just it's very adult. So you will also enjoy it. So that's my recommendation. Dark on Netflix in German with subtitles. That sounds family friendly, right? (laughs) I I love the strategy of subtitles to keep the kids off. Yeah, it's so smart. (laughs) It doesn't work with everything. But with a time travel thing, with like science fiction stuff, it's definitely worked better. crank the volume down on anything and put on (laughs) subtitles. You will read this. You will read read Blue's Clues. (laughs) One one of my daughters only watches everything with subtitles. You can tell when she's been watching TV because you come and turn the TV on and the subtitles are on. Really? That's interesting. She's obsessed with reading, I think. I think part of it is she's kind of obsessed with reading. That's awesome. That's so sweet. She just reads books all the time. And so TV (laughs) is much more enjoyable if she can read it while she watches it, I think, which is. I like that. You're doing something right. Yeah, that's that's so so cute. Get some of what you're having. We'll, We'll find out more about that in Slate Plus. (laughs) <laughs> and that is our show. If you have a question you want to ask us on the podcast, leave us a message at 424-255-7833 or email us at slate.com. Join us on Facebook to search for Slate Parenting. Mom and Dad Are Fighting is produced by Jess Jupiter. I'm Rebecca Lavoy, and I want to give a big thanks to Ruth Graham and Jakata Imani for joining me this week. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.